Well, good morning, Olive Branch. If you were here last week, I know what you might be thinking. You're like, man, the student ministry pastor, two weeks in a row, how sick is Greg? Uh, he's fine physically. Mentally, we're still not sure. Uh, pray for my job. Um, uh, but I'm excited. I'm excited to be back here again this week because really this week's sermon is is a continuation from last week's sermon, right? This whole series, Kicking Down Sandcastles, we're looking at one big message that Jesus gave. Um, but this particular part, uh, part of his sermon, his message, we've kind of split into two because it has two really big ideas. And last week's idea sets up this week's idea. And we see that here with the first words. Uh, starts out in Matthew 6.25. Jesus says, therefore, I tell you. And these, these words, therefore, kind of, kind of point out that what we're about to read, essentially, what Jesus said, is kind of like a sequel to what we talked about last week. And I know what you're thinking. Sequels aren't usually all that great sometimes, uh, movie-wise. I think of like the most recent biggest sequel letdown, probably in cinematic history, of The Last Jedi, of Star Wars. It basically just said, hey, everything you know about Star Wars doesn't matter. So everything that you care about in Star Wars, we don't care that you care about it. Don't care. Like, and it was really frustrating for me. So think, think more of this like part two, right? Like Back to the Future. Back to the Future part two, great movie, right? And so here we get into this part two section where Jesus kind of takes this concept that we talked about last week um, and, and gets into it a little bit deeper this week. This concept last week was we talked about how we need to serve God and not money, that our purpose in life needs to be in Jesus and not in our possessions, Right? And so Jesus is basically assuming the sale in a sense of that, hey, since you're going to live for, for God and not for money, like pay attention to what I'm about to say. Right? It's it's this kind of like therefore. Whenever you read therefore, always go and read like the next or what was written right before that. Because it's like for this reason, do this, right? And so he he goes on and he says, Therefore, I tell you. Don't be anxious about your life. And we're stopping right here, and we're not going to be like this with every verse in today's section, uh, but we're stopping right here because this word anxious. Um, this word anxious for me is not my favorite translation of, of the Greek word, uh, because at least for me sometimes, and I feel like some of us read this word anxious, and we jump straight to this concept of anxiety. And this is not an anxiety conversation. This this. This message, what Jesus is talking about, today's sermon is not going to solve your anxiety. If you have anxiety, if anxiety is something you deal with like I deal with, uh, or even more severe or whatever, today's sermon is not how not to have anxiety. That's not what Jesus is talking about when he's mentioning um, anxiousness here. It's not a mental health conversation, but a spiritual health conversation. Because remember, for this reason, since you're going to live for God, and not money. Since you're going to focus on your spiritual life, like don't worry about this stuff. And so this is a spiritual health conversation. And so you heard me say it. A better word here, uh, at least for me, and maybe uh, your Bible you have, if you have an NIV, it uses uh, this word. It uses the word worry. And I like the word worry for, for what Jesus is trying to communicate in today's passage. Because when we think of worry, images come to mind for me of uh, if you have kids who don't know how to swim and they're playing by the pool, you are worried in that moment. If, you're, if there's just a couple minutes left in the game and your team's about to give up the lead, you're worried in that moment. If you're any driver on a California freeway, you are always worried 
Not about the drivers around you, but the drivers on the side of the road. They'll cut you off and hate you while you're on the road, but the moment that you're on the side of the road, every driver becomes so worried, and they need to make sure that they're okay. They stop. It doesn't matter if you're going 65 behind them. They're going to stop and make sure on the freeway that you're okay because they are worried, right? So Jesus is saying, don't worry. Well, he's not saying, like, don't worry at all. That would be apathy. I actually, in a season of my life, thought that I did this really well, that I, that I didn't worry about anything. And I credited it, credited it to, <laughs> I credited it, I don't know why that doesn't sound right, uh, to, uh, you know why I'm a youth pastor, to, I credited, moving on, to marijuana. I credit it to pot. I smoked weed a lot. I went through a season of life where I smoked a lot of weed. And, and I genuinely believed that I like lived out what Jesus wanted, that I just didn't worry about my life. I didn't worry about anything. I just didn't care, man. Like, it was cool. It was fine. I just didn't worry. But I didn't care about things that I should care about, right? And so Jesus is not saying, don't like care about your life. Like, you need to care, but don't overly worry about your life, right? So when you hear that word worry today, it kind of is this idea of overly focus, right? Don't give too much attention or don't care most about the things in your life. In other words, don't overly focus on the wrong things is kind of what Jesus is getting at here. Don't overly focus on the wrong things. And we hear that and for me, I'm like, all right, I, could, I think I can do that, Jesus. Like, I know I can overly focus on the wrong things sometimes, so I'll try not to do that. Like, the new iPhone just got announced, the iPhone Plus 3,500 camera super soaker or whatever, right? <laughs> just came out, and, like, I kind of want one. My phone is bent because I decided to play rugby in the snow with a senior in high school last winter camp, and so now I have a bent iPhone. Uh, and so, okay, Jesus, I won't worry about that. Last, last winter, right, last football season, the Ram, I'm a Rams fan, and the Rams made, made the Super Bowl. And I was for sure worried about how do I get Super Bowl tickets. I was overly focused, like so much so that everybody around me was like, man, like he, he really wants these things. Like how can we figure out how to get him Super Bowl tickets? Because the Rams, like they hadn't been in the Super Bowl has, since like half my life ago. I'm about to be 34 right? Last time they made the Super Bowl, I think I was a freshman in high school. Like, that was a long time ago for me. And like, I don't want to wait that long again to get a chance to see my team play in the Super Bowl in person because the Rams aren't, aren't like the Patriots. They don't cheat every year to get there. They don't. I love you guys. You guys are awesome. Um, right? They're not the New England cheater, I mean, Patriots. And so I was overly worried about getting to see them in person in the Super Bowl, right? And that, but he's, he's not just telling us not to worry about an iPhone or going to a football game or anything like that. He's, he's, getting, he's getting to something a little bit deeper here. So let's look at that. Um, the first verse, Matthew 6, 25, in con full now, says, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? In other words, taking into context what we preached on last week or we talked about last week, you kind of read this as, since you're going to put your purpose in God and not money, since you're going to live for God and not money, don't worry or overly focus on your basic needs. 
And most of us in here are kind of like, I don't really ever worry about my basic needs. Like, I don't worry about wake up in the morning and go, am I going to get to eat today? And do I have to go outside naked? Like, that's not uh, a worry that I wake up with in the morning. Like most of us, the most we might worry about food is if we go to a party where they have like the buffet thing and they've got two options and it's like something nasty and gross like salmon, seafood, yeah, uh, and then like something delicious like a lemon chicken or something, right? Like you're like, please call my table first before the chicken runs out because I don't want that gross fish thing uh, because it tastes like fish. And anybody who likes salmon, we're going to pray for you today, um, Right? <laughs> Or clothes. The most, the only time that I ever really stress about, like, am I going to have clothes to wear are in my dreams, like nightmares, right? A few, a few months ago when I was going to preach down here uh, at the main campus, I was kind of anxious that week about it. And um, so I had two nights in a row dreams where I came up on stage and I did not have pants on. And let me just, like, you guys were not very nice in that dream. Like, it was... It was very scary. But, I mean, I would expect you to not be nice if I came up with pants on, right? Like, that, that might be the most ever that we worry about food and clothing, right? And so, so what is Jesus really saying here when he's talking about food and clothing? Well, let's look at, he, he hits on food first here. Let's read verses 26 and 27. He says, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? You see, for them, this food conversation was about extending their life. It was really kind of a physical health conversation. Will they eat? Will they continue to live? Will they not starve? Will they be able to remain physically healthy? And I think that just like them and people before them and us today and people past us after today, we will always worry about our physically health but are we overly focused on our physical health? Who here has been on a diet ever in their life? All right, sweet. I need one. Uh, tell me what's worked for you. No, right? And so I, I did some, some really uh, hard-hitting research and went to a reliable site called Wikipedia and, <laughs> and, and just, just kind of questioned how many different like, diets are out there. There's the Wikipedia has 90 diets listed on there. 90 of them. And so I have here, and that made me think like, wow, like we are overly focused on, on our food and what we eat. And so I have here, we're giving out today, if you were in service early, Kevin uh, was giving a few of these out. These are stress balls. They look like little rocks. And it says, Jesus is my rock. Super cheesy, I know, but we're a church. What do you expect? Um, and, and so I'm just curious, who here feels like that they've done probably more diets than anybody else in this room? I saw your hand go up first. This, this stress ball is yours. You can have this stress ball. Are you ready? Can you catch? All right. I'm just going to throw in that general direction. Nope, that was bad. Hand that back to him, right? And so give that a squeeze whenever you feel worried about your food. You can have that, right? But there's some weird diets on this diet list. Have any of you ever heard of the tongue patch diet? Probably not because it's illegal in the United States. <laughs> This is a diet where they take like uh, a plastic grooved like cheese grater and stitch it to your tongue. So it hurts to eat. We have gone, like we have issues in this world. Like if you didn't know the world was falling, like you know now, right? <laughs> Things like the tongue patch diet should not, they should not exist. Uh, the first diet I ever went on was the Atkins diet. It was in junior high. And it was kind of popular around that time, I think, because uh, my parents wanted to go on it. They wanted to lose weight. And I 
uh, as I was in a season of life of eating a lot of donuts. And so they encouraged me to go on it with them. And, and so I go on this diet as a junior hire, and they're like, no carbs. I'm like, what? Like, french fries and like all, I just got to eat just the patty on the burger? What's this? Is? So I lasted like maybe a week, but after a week, I'd come home from school, and my parents would be like, so diet going good? Yes, fantastic. I'm doing so great. Lied to them to their face. You're overly focused on your food if you have to lie about what you eat. You are. You're overly focused on your food if you have to lie about what you eat. I, you might be overly focused on your food if you steal uh, money to get donuts, which I did all throughout sixth grade. It's true. This one might be a little more relatable and more common. Um, you're overly focused on food if you've ever argued with your friends or a significant other about where you should eat dinner, right? If you say, hey, where do we eat? And you get in an argument over it, you've missed the point of food. Food is meant to bring you together in that moment, not separate you. And I just like little mini separate sermon. If you say, hey, I don't know, I don't care, you decide, and they make a decision, you got to be good with it. Don't go back on your word, all right? <laughs> just saying. Don't overly focus on the food. It's about the community in that moment, right? For me, my, my diet, the way that I, that I have to maintain uh, my weight uh, or what I'll do to even help lose weight is, is for me, coffee is breakfast, no food. Coffee is breakfast. Any other coffee is breakfast people? Yes. All right. Um, coffee is breakfast. Lunch for me is like less than 400 calories because I know when I get home, I, that's a hard place for me to have self-control because it's where the food is and it's where I am all at the same time. And so it's hard to not just eat a lot. And I like a big meal. And so I know coffee for breakfast low calories to maintain my health. And that means that like when people like want to go out to eat in the office or whatever for lunch, like I'm like, oh, I have like this inner tension of like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get fat if I do this too much. And, and I don't want to get unhealthy, right? And so I become overly focused. Well, this week, um, God put it on my heart to go take a friend out to lunch who's, having, who's going through a really, really difficult situation. And just put it on my heart just to be there for my friend who just... I knew needed, just needed somebody just to show that, that he's not alone and, and that we love him and care for him. And like as God put this on my heart to take him out to lunch, I literally was like, but my diet. Like I don't, I don't want to give up on my diet, right? And we, we can feel that tension without even realizing it, how we can be overly focused on our physical health and overly focused on what we eat. Now, the Holy Spirit won. Uh, and, and I took my friend out to eat. But had I not, I would have been overly focused on my food in that moment. And here's the thing. Jesus says, like, dieting at the end of the day or overly focusing on your, your physical health is no guarantee in life. Which of you, by being anxious or worried about what you eat, can add a single hour to your span of life or a single step in your life's journey, right? Now, eating healthy makes you healthy and could help you live longer, but is it a guarantee? It's not. It's not a guarantee. This life will end, and eating healthy is not a guarantee, and, or worrying about your health doesn't actually guarantee that you will live longer, and so don't waste your time overly focusing on your physical health. Well, what about our clothing? Let's get into the next couple verses here, 28 through 30. And Jesus says, and why are you anxious about 
clothing. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? And so Jesus, I love what he does here. He takes, he takes these two images that they know and, and basically like reverses the value in their minds. Because for them to look like Solomon would be goals, right? Like historically, like Solomon, is, he was wealthy, he was a king, he had it all. He's the best dressed in the history of the Jewish people, right? Like he gets the best dressed award. And the lilies of the field, they would rip up and throw to heat their clay ovens, right? They, they were almost valueless. And Jesus says, this thing that you say has no value God dresses, and they're more beautiful in God's eyes than anything that Solomon ever wore. And if God's going to dress them, don't you think he will dress you? You see, what Jesus is, is getting at here is their image, how they overly focused on what they looked like in their image. And so for me, I was trying to think about, well, how do we overly focus on our image, or how do we measure that? And I, I came across this study that measured it by looking at how much time we spend getting ready during the week in front of a mirror. And this is women unanimously win or lose, depending on uh, your viewpoint, I guess, all across all these countries. Italian, this is not like, I'm not trying to offend any Italians here. This is not my study, all right? Uh, these are just scientific facts. Um, and so here's how much time we, we spend on average as men and women around the world getting ready in front of a mirror in hours per week, right? That's a lot. How many people, is there anybody here who feels like they for sure, you're going to get a stress ball, a Jesus is my rock stress ball, everybody wants one, they're awesome. Uh, who feels like they, they, they spend more time getting ready? Maybe, you know what, let's do it this way. Who feels like the person next to you spills, spends more time getting ready than anyone else? All right, your hand first was right here. So who's point? You, okay, all right, you're called out and you're admitting it. There you go. Take that, maybe start setting a timer to like lower that time down. And then when the timer comes out, you can put the stress ball right in front of the mirror and just squeeze it and you be like, Jesus is my rock. I made in his image. I'm beautiful. I'm good. He'll dress me. You got it. That's yours. Take that. Right? We do. We spend a lot of time on our image, but we also spend a lot of money on our image. In 2018, 16 and a half billion dollars was spent on cosmetic plastic surgery. $16.5 billion in the U.S. alone on cosmetic plastic surgery on please make me look younger, right? In the U.S. alone, $28.6 billion was spent on gym memberships, and less than 50% of those people go twice a week. Less than 50, like even twice a week is not really enough if you have a gym membership. Like you're not getting your money's worth. Like gym, gym, like people who own gyms actually don't want you to show up all the time because they couldn't, to make money, they need you to not show up because they wouldn't be able to fit us all in there, right? And so we have a lot of money. If you were to take the, the money that's wasted uh, on, on gym memberships and the cosmetic surgery stuff, and let's even say like people who maybe worship the gym a little bit too much and are overly focused and are there four times, not a week, but a day, right? Like you might be overly focused, unless you're working there, like that's too much. Um, if we were to take that money, we would have enough money to feed 20 million people who are low income and can't afford to feed themselves. In the same year, there was 40 million, not people, sorry, families, there was 40 million families who were low income and needed assistance to be able to feed themselves. Not people, families. We could use that money and cut that number in half, right? 
Now, the gym's not bad or anything like that, right? It's not what I'm saying. This isn't a judgment thing or anything like that. But maybe, maybe we're a little overly focused on our image as a nation, as people, as the entire world. Um, and you might be overly focused on your food. And this is, might be the most easy way to tell in our culture today. If you're overly focused on your food or your health or your image. And that is, is if all your social media posts or just the photos in your phone, if 50% or more, and I, I want to say like 10, but I'm trying to be nice. If 50% or more are selfies and pictures of food, like you might be overly focused on the wrong thing. Just saying. Right? You, you, you might be. Not, not trying to be judgmental or anything, but maybe you're overly focused and you need to do a self-evaluation without a camera. Just saying. Right? I like, I like what Paul kind of gets at here because it's not so much this idea of like, okay, don't care again. I just want to reiterate that over and over. It's not about not caring. But we were in, in Paul's first letter to Timothy last week, and today we're going to be in 4.8. And Paul writes to Timothy... For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and for the life to come, right? And so again, it's not that focusing on your health or trying to be healthy or your appearance is wrong, but making it the main thing in your life, that's where it becomes borderline worship or worship, and that's where it becomes unhealthy spiritually, Right? Paul's saying, like, listen, we, we need to put most of our attention on things that are eternal. The main focus should be spiritual on eternal stuff. Right? And, and I think that we, if we're not careful, we could even fall into the trap here of like, you're right, I need to balance my life and, and what I focus on health-wise. I need to have a healthy focus of mental health, spiritual health, physical health. And, and, and emotional health, right? I, I need to have a health, healthy focus on a balance and all that. And it's not even about a balance, right? That's not what Jesus is getting at. That's not what Paul's trying to tell Timothy. He's like, it's not about having a healthy balance, but about completely outweighing and putting everything you got into your spiritual life, into your relationship with God, and seeing everything through that. And so your choices are like investments, right? When you invest money, they say you should diversify because ultimately you don't know what the safe investment is. And so if you put all your eggs in one basket and that basket falls apart, there goes all your eggs, right? But spiritually speaking, we know what the best investment is. We know what the guarantee is forever, for eternity, and that is in Jesus and being right with God, right? We know what the best investment is, so we don't have to guess. We don't need to diversify or have balance in our life. We need to be overly focused on God. We need to be overly focused on the spiritual things of life, on the eternal things that God has for us. My wife and I, uh, together in our marriage, multiple times have gone on different diets, and early on, they, they, we would always lose a little bit of weight. And it, after that, like that was it. We tried diets and working out and all this stuff, but it never seemed to really work for us. And, and it wasn't until after we went through a season, really during the first pregnancy that we had, um, where, where she ate a lot. And because she used like, I'm pregnant or having a hard day, right? She, she justified eating a lot. And I was like, She's pregnant. She's having a hard day, so I need to eat a lot. Um, and we both, and so we both gained. We both gained a lot of weight, and and we we tried all kinds of stuff, right? Different workouts and different and different eating styles and stuff. And at the end of the day, we weren't able to be successful in our weight loss 
until we made the issue, until we recognized and the Holy Spirit convicted us that the issue wasn't physical but spiritual, that we were gluttons, and that we had to come to God and, and acknowledge that. And, and making our physical health first and foremost about our spiritual health is what helped us to lose 160 pounds combined, right? Yeah, it was a lot. we literally, like, we laid in bed and we were like, did we get a bigger bed or what's going on here? Because it felt like there was room for a whole other person, which... After our daughter was born, that other person showed up and turned, <laughs> liked to practice gymnastics throughout the night. <laughs> right? And so it was only when we made our physical health about our spiritual health that we had true success in it. And so Jesus says here, just to kind of sum this up a little bit, in 31 to 33, therefore, because of everything that we just said and that, that you're going to do, therefore, don't be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear for the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them all, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you, right? Jesus says, listen, like for people who think that there's no eternity, for people who think that this life is all that there is, of course they're gonna live for physical health. Of course they're gonna live for trying to make their image look good and throw money and time into that because they think that's all there is. Jesus says, no, 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 no. You don't need to do that because you know that, this, that there's an eternal situation going on, that, that, that this life is not all that there is, that this life is just a small little dot in the glimpse of eternity. And so focus on the eternal stuff. Invest in things that will last forever. Because when we have the wrong focus, it distracts us from the right focus. When we're, when we're focused on the temporal things, we are missing out on the eternal things. Right? We're distracted. I have an illustration. Um, so towards the end of, of that first pregnancy... Uh, as we were getting ready, Jill and I, Jill especially more than me, was kind of worried, like, we don't know what we're doing when it comes time to give birth. And I'm like, yeah, I never really thought of that, probably because I'm not the one carrying the baby. Um, and she's like, we need to, like, do classes and stuff. And so I looked up classes, and it was expensive. I'm like, we are not paying money. I'm like, I will do the research. I will be your birth coach. I got this. <laughs> and <laughs> trying to save money, because having a baby is expensive. And so... So I'm doing the research, I'm looking stuff up, and mind you, in my head, I have this image that everybody in my life has painted that like birth is the most beautiful, amazing thing that you'll ever see in person your entire life. It's so beautiful. And everything that I'm reading and the videos that I'm watching, I'm like, what, she's pregnant and she pooped? Like, what is happening? <laughs> like, this is not, this is not, everything I'm reading and seeing, beauty is the last adjective that I would pull out of my vocabulary. Not that it's extensive or anything. And so I like, I, you know, I coached my wife up and I'm like, listen, you're going to get out there and it's, you're going to be, you're going to be on the field and I'm going to be on the sidelines. I'll be there for you. But the moment the time comes, I'm going to pick a corner out in that room and stand in that corner and stare at it and just root you on because I am so worried about what I might see. <laughs> I don't want to see I didn't, want to see, I didn't want to see that, right? And so we're in the delivery room, and I like, I can, like, it's getting close, and I just start like, trying to be incognito, backing up. Like, Go ahead, you got it. Just going to look out the window. And, and then the doctor's like, you're the dad. Get over here, grab a leg. Well, okay. Got a leg. Now what do I do? Watch. Oh, that's what I told myself I wouldn't do in this moment. 
And, and so it happens, and it was everything that everybody said and everything that I read. It was... Okay, not everything that I read. I realize what I just implied in that moment. So glad my wife's not in this sermon, but this is being broadcast right now. Yay. Um, pray for my marriage. Uh, <laughs> sorry. I'm all right. Right? In, in that moment, the doctor made sure that I was there and that I wasn't overly focused on the wrong thing because had I been, I would have missed the best thing. When we're overly focused on the wrong thing, when we're, it distracts us from the right thing, and we miss the best things in life. And this is something that Jesus experienced in his ministry. In John 6, he feeds a few. You're going to get the youth pastor version of these Bible stories right now, by the way. In John, in John 6, he feeds thousands of people, go, crosses a lake, and then they all run around the lake, and they're like, dude, you're an amazing baker. Please hook it up with some more bread. We want some more bread. And he's like, I am the bread. And they're like, you are disgusting. We're not going to eat you. Like, we want real bread, please. And they didn't get it because they had the wrong focus. They were overly focused on the wrong thing. And standing in front of them was the best thing. In John 4, Jesus comes to a well and there's a woman there by herself. And he tells her, I can give you like water that you'll never thirst again. And she's like, you're a moron. You don't even have anything to get water with. How are you going to give me water? In that moment, she was overly focused on the wrong thing. She was. Now, at the end of that conversation, she figured it out and she got it and she told some people about it and changed the community. But when we're overly focused on the wrong thing, we, we miss the right thing and ultimately miss the best thing and the best thing is Jesus. He is. And he tells us that, that we need to stay focused on the kingdom, that that's what we need to pursue. We need to pursue our relationship with him and living out this life that he lived and that he calls us to live. But doing that, having the right focus, requires trusting God. It does. You have to trust God in that moment. He says, Are you, you're more valuable than birds. You're more valuable than flowers. And I know we all believe that here. I know everybody here believes you're more valuable than flowers because most of us, are okay with the idea of killing a plant to give it to somebody to say, I love you so much, watch this plant die, right? <laughs> I shared that last night and somebody went out and bought my wife flowers. <laughs> <laughs> and, and watch the plant die, right? We know we're more valuable than that. And yet when we worry about things like our image and our health so much that that takes priority in our life over Jesus stuff, over eternal things, over what God wants for us, what we are saying in that moment is, God, I don't trust you with the things that I know you can give me and provide for me. And since I don't trust you to provide for me what you provide for flowers and birds, I view myself as less valuable than flowers and birds. Don't devalue yourself. Trust God. Live a life of trust. Don't devalue yourself like that because every moment where we choose not to worry about the temporal stuff, the things in this life, is a moment where we can focus and invest in the eternal things and living for God and showing the love of God to everybody around us in this world and changing their hearts and watching him change their lives and bringing heaven to earth. But it can be hard to trust God in those moments and seek his kingdom. It can be difficult. It might mean you, you have to give up a lunch to be with a, a coworker or friend who's hurting. It might mean you need to give up that gym membership that you worship or that you're not using to be with family or help a friend in need. It might even mean talking to somebody 
about Jesus and sharing the gospel with them and possibly losing a relationship because they can't handle it. And, and I shared that because for me, this past year, I've been going to the same barber with my goal and intent to build a relationship with him and, and invite him to church. And anytime I preach down here, I, I schedule my haircuts to be like the week of so that I have an excuse to invite him. And I've encouraged him to go to church and talk about church a few times. But every single time, I just get a little bit too scared and I worry too much about he might become offended and cut my ear off. Or <laughs> I know it's not realistic. Or just not want to cut my hair at all anymore. And it's because I'm focused on the wrong things. In Matthew 10, 8, Jesus says, And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. In other words, don't worry about the temporal pain but the eternal blessings. Don't live your life trying to avoid the eternal pain or the temporal pain so much that you forget about what is eternal, right? Because I got to be honest, it's going to hurt. You're going to feel pain in this life no matter what. And sometimes you're even going to feel pain specifically for seeking the kingdom of heaven. Back in Matthew 5.10, Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In other words, you're blessed when you're hurt for seeking God. The blessed life is not having a six-pack or looking 20 years younger than you actually are. That is not the blessed life. The most blessed life that we could possibly live is to seek the kingdom and to live for him and in the process even be hurt for it. It is better to be hurt for doing right than to be praised for doing wrong. It is better to be in pain with God than in comfort without him. The most difficult seasons of my life and the hardest and most painful seasons of my life have been the seasons where I've been closest with God because they're the times that I need him the most and I have to trust him the most. Jesus says in verse 26, it's the father that feeds. In verse 30, it's God that clothes. And in verse 32, it's God that knows what you need. He feeds, he clothes, and he knows what we need. We can trust him. We need to trust him more with those things so that way we can focus on the eternal things. Trust him with the temporary stuff. Trust him even when the pain comes so we can focus on the eternal things. And the best way to do that is to go where you need God most. Go where you need God most. Do the things that make you go, oh my gosh, if God doesn't show up right now, whoo. Literally, have that thought. Live that life if you want to trust God more and not devalue yourself anymore. Go where you will need God most. In the last verse of today's passage, Jesus says, therefore, don't be anxious because of all this, because of everything that we just said, since you're not going to live for money and you're not going to live for your physical health or your image, but you're going to focus on the kingdom. You're going to focus on eternal things. Don't worry about tomorrow even, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. If you're truly going to live for God, if you're truly going to seek his kingdom, if you can trust God with your eternity, you can trust him with tomorrow. If you can trust him with tomorrow, you can trust him with today. If you have to give up a meal to show someone some love, you can trust God in that moment and seek his kingdom and bring heaven on earth. At the end of the day, this is the life that Jesus lived himself. He trusted God and continued to do ministry and push forward in his ministry, knowing 
that the garden was coming, when he'd begin to feel that separation in the Trinity from the Father and the Holy Spirit. Knowing that the cross was coming when he would take on all of our sin so that we might be forgiven. He knew it was coming. He knew the cross was coming, and yet he said, God, your will, not mine. That's the kind of life we need to live, where we know that pain will come, but we still say, God, I trust you. The crosses will be there in this life. The reasons not to trust God will be there in this life, and the enemy's gonna make sure you feel them. You, you, might, you might have a hard time trusting God because of food or a health issue. You might have a hard time trusting God because of a clothing or your image or physical image. You might have a hard time trusting God because of your singleness, because of a death you've experienced. You might have a hard time trusting God because of a divorce you've experienced. You might have a hard time trusting God because of a pregnancy you never had or one that you lost. At the end of the day, Jesus isn't saying not to feel in these moments but to worry rightly. Don't get distracted. Continue to trust God and worry rightly. Worry about the eternal things. So as a church, as a body of believers this weekend here at Olive Branch, let's together step forward and begin to trust God more. Let's ask God to show us where, where we can go that we might need him most and become dependent upon him. Let's pray for that together right now. God, it's, it's hard to trust you, and as much as we wish that we could just ask for the ability to trust you more, God, we ask for the opportunity. And God, we ask for, for courage when it's hard and pain, for, for, for stuff maybe that we've been going through for a while or started recently or worried that we might have to go through. God, help us to not become overly distracted, that we miss the opportunity to seek your kingdom and bring heaven to earth. God, help us to worry rightly and trust you in the process. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.